Folks, the free agency period doesn't really end for quite a long time. Obviously, teams can still make moves all the way up through most of the season and well beyond. But of course, when you know we're talking about a few months into free agency, I think most of the major contract signings are kind of behind us. And so now it's time to take a look back and see which free agency signings were the best and which ones might honestly qualify for pretty darn bad deals. All coming right up on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for choosing to make Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online because Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Now, like I said in today's uh, intro to this episode, I wanted to focus on the best and worst free agency signings um, that we've seen for the past couple of weeks. You know, a lot of these are, are, are players who have either been extended or uh, signed as, you know, full on UFAs. Right. And some of these deals. Yeah, they have been a little bit of a mixed bag. We're going to try and avoid most of the minor league deals because uh, a lot of those for me, I don't really feel are particularly relevant. So these are all, you know, guys who have um, mostly NHL prospects. And so we're not really going to be focusing on anything more than that. Now, the first deal that I think is probably worth shouting out and that I find to be a little bit more on the questionable side is Eric Gubranson signing for four years at $16 million by Columbus. Now, I know that at the time Columbus was uh, making a couple of really big transactions, one of which we're going to discuss as one of the best free agency signings, but this one as a top four defender for your team really does not make sense. I know what Columbus thinks they see in Goodbranson because it's the same thing that so many teams have constantly asked for when they've brought him on. Uh, a lot of squads, they see that gritty, hitty, physical strength and, and big physical size and certainly his stature on the ice. But, you know, unfortunately, the on-ice results have never really followed with him. You know, he's not a guy who uh, is particularly great when in possession of the puck. He's not a big transition skater when he's... Uh, making defensive recoveries and getting the puck up the ice. That's not really his game. And oftentimes, you know, his his ability to have a, a solid defensive impact is mostly reliant on hitting guys and knocking them off the puck and, you know, shot blocking. But unfortunately, neither of those are really that effective in his particular case beyond, you know, occasionally causing some havoc here and there. And, you know, every now and then he'll make a pretty nice defensive read. But for the most part, what you're getting with him is kind of what you're getting with a lot of other uh, third pairing D. But the problem is, is you're paying, uh, you know, three to four times as much as what you would be paying most like number fives and number sixes. So 
this contract one of the worst values for what you're getting here. And I think it's especially egregious when you consider uh, that there's a pretty long history of teams who have signed Goodbranson and not really been interested in retaining him after kind of figuring out that he's just not really that kind of player. Now, Columbus then kind of went the other direction and made one of the most interesting and fun signings of the entire offseason. This one, of course, is no surprise. Everyone knows it's Johnny Goudreau signing for seven years at almost $69 million. Now, this this contract is pretty expensive. I ain't going to lie. Uh, you're, you're bringing in one of the premier free agents to hit the market over the last few years. Goudreau is a monster scorer. He's one of the most creative players. And, you know, as a free agent, there aren't many guys of his caliber who are going to immediately improve your top six. But Goudreau for Columbus absolutely does this. Where I think it gets to be an interesting question is, does the fit make a lot of sense? And I think Columbus, in a lot of ways, they're a squad that has to do things differently, sort of like how the Jets are, because obviously the market is a little bit funky for attracting high-end free agents. And this is a team that, while it does have some solid prospects and stuff, hasn't really been able to um, form this really strong core. They have had some years where they've had some really fun playoff runs, but for the most part, you're not looking at a particularly sustainable team team with like a lot of uh, a particularly long track hit, uh, track record of success. So this is a team that's trying to figure out some sort of identity in the meantime. And I can appreciate and respect a squad that just says, you know, what? screw it. Let's go for it. Let's do something a little bit strange and try for a more unusual approach. Uh, you know, obviously, Goudreau, he's not going to save Columbus, but I think he goes a long way in showing that the Blue Jackets are, in fact, uh, a really desirable destination for maybe some premier players. You know, if you're looking at Liney resigning for a few years, Goudreau signing and locking in for seven, um, Good Branson, I guess, if you want to call him a marquee signing for four years, I wouldn't really go that route. But um, Goudreau and Liney, of course, certainly are are really big acquisitions. Um, and, and retaining Liney was very important for them. So, yeah, you know, the, the Jackets, while I do kind of wonder what exactly their long-term plan is, at least they're doing something, which as Jets fans is probably more than you and I can say, right? Uh, you know, we, we're used to watching a team that's very passive and not really up to much. So I would say for Columbus, not bad. I think that they did some really interesting things. Um, you, you, you got the clear best free agent on the market, in terms of a UFA that just you're not really seeing many players of this caliber getting to this point. So, uh, yeah, you know, Goudreau, Goodbranson, I guess they kind of balance each other out in a strange way. But, you know, there's plenty more free agents to go through, and some of them kind of like the, uh, the, the Goodbranson signing. I have a lot of questions about. We'll talk about one who's actually a former Jet in just a little bit. But before we, go, before we go any further, I do want to shout out our partners that I mentioned earlier in this episode at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. No matter what you're into, whether you like combat sports, MMA, uh, MLB, boxing, golf, esports, you know, they've also got football, of course, college and, uh, you know, pro professional, um, IndyCar, Formula One. Every sport under the sun, they've got you covered. They've also got all of the latest football league developments from game matchups to news, podcasts, uh, you know, a full slate of content for this year's opening week games. 
really excited for the Ravens this season in a few uh, few weeks here. So um, I'm I'm very much looking forward to finding out all that I can heading into these really important early critical matchups. Um, but of course, BetOnline also gives you your whole host of live betting uh, from you know sporting wagering information live score updates, everything at your fingertips to make the most informed bets possible. It really couldn't be easier. They make it very uh, approachable for any user, whether you're experienced with online betting or not. So, you know, might as well hop in, right? This is a great time to do so, and you can do so by heading on over to their website, betonline.net, on your laptop or mobile device, and signing up for a free account today. BetOnline. It's where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Uh, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We're going through some of the best and worst free agent signings of this offseason. And, of course, we talked about Columbus having a bit of a mixed bag with Goodbranson and Goudreau. You kind of, I wouldn't say you necessarily offset the greatness of Goudreau with Goodbranson's uh, acquisition, but certainly uh, Goody kind of coming in at as much as he did for six or for four years is obviously a little bit of a uh, a bit of a ding on what was a really nice uh, pickup in Goudreau. Now another player that I kind of look at in the Good Branson vein of signings is Ben Sherratt, and I know a lot of you are going to be upset about this because a lot of you probably remember Sherratt fondly, and I think the thing with Ben that you know I've always felt is that if you give him like a really puck dominant uh, player like Bufflin, right? Sherratt will tend to look a lot better. This is a guy who is strong, physical. He's actually not that bad in possession. He can create some pretty solid passing plays. Um, he doesn't really handle the puck like a grenade at times, which is something you don't mind seeing. The problem is, is that, you know, for all of that, you're not really getting much more than a third pairing defender. There was a brief time when he moved to Montreal where it looked like Ben Sherratt had been unleashed. But I think the reason for that was because he was playing in a really up-tempo system and it sort of fit his skill sets of being a guy who offensively is surprisingly aggressive. And with Montreal not really needing to focus so much on defensive coverages and stuff, it lets Sherratt just sort of roam and kind of do his thing. And I think for a brief time that sort of suited his game. But, you know, where he is now at the stage of his career, uh, again, you're probably looking at a modest third-pairing defender but he's being paid like somebody who's going to be in Detroit's top four. Um, you know, the Red Wings signed him for four years uh, at, oh, you know, a little, a little over um, four million per season, almost like four and a half per season, maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit of interest there. So it's an expensive contract. I mean, four point seven five ish per season is not cheap money. And for what you're getting with Sherratt, I, I just don't really see the value necessarily. Uh, I, I tend to like guys who um, are more in the Brett Kulak, right? This is a, a contract that I would say is one of the top free agent signings. I think Edmonton did a great job in retaining him. Four years for $11 million total is just really, really reasonable for a player who very conveniently has slotted into their top four and has been a fantastic presence. And for almost half the price of what you're getting with Sherratt, you know, Kulak is a much more well-rounded two-way defender. He gives you that offense. He has smart defensive coverages. And while, you know, his defending might not be uh, shut down or anything, you're getting a guy who contributes so much at both ends of the ice in, you know, puck movement and transition, passing ability, um, some solid defensive reads, and offensively, great vision, great activations. You know, this is a really balanced defender. And I just, I look at this contract and I see, 
this stacked up against Good Branson and Sherratt. And again, it's just a reminder that I think the NHL really struggles to identify uh, what qualifies as a really good defend- defensive signing. Um, I think that the old traditional big, hitty, strong, physical kind of guys, that's always going to be what the league prioritizes. And at some point, I do think the think is, thinking is going to have to shift here and look more at players like Kutlock who can give you so much more without necessarily sacrificing um, some of that stout defensive work that teams think they're getting with some of the more physical-oriented players. Now, for as much as I'm kind of crapping on Detroit here for Sherratt, I do think that they did make an interesting signing in Cop um, and as well as uh, David Perron. I think that these are two really fun signings. Uh, Perron, of course, is only signed for two years, and uh, he's making a little bit less than $5 million per season, which for what he does for teams, I really feel like is great value. This guy is like one of the most versatile attackers in the whole league. I don't understand how he gets bounced around as much as he has when you basically plug him in and he's just a constant pest and he's very creative. Uh, you know, he's not the most swift players. I would, I would say, I, I don't really think he's blazing down the ice and beating you off the rush, but his creativity and his passing, his spatial awareness his, uh, you could say, I guess, hockey sense for understanding when to make um, aggressive uh, moves towards the puck or when to kind of dance around the face-off circle and slot area. All of that has made him a, a really consistent player over the years and somebody who I think is one of the most underrated players out there. He does so much. He's kind of like, I guess, another Connor Garland or maybe even like a Matthew Perot. But even as he gets older, I mean, he's still very productive and you just sort of see him, you know, easily sliding into most top six units out there. I think he's going to get, you know, a, a more top, top nine balanced role with the wings. But again, I think it's a great value contract. And I was a big fan of the signings. The, you know, the Andrew Cop deal, I'm a little bit less uh, enthused with, I would say. I think Andrew's getting a, a deserved raise and, hey, happy for Cop to get that bread elsewhere. Uh, but in terms of what you're getting with this game, it's it's tough, right? Because you do think that what you're so, what you're seeing with like the New York Rangers when he got traded there, you're kind of betting that that is his more routine performance level. And I think there's a pretty reasonable gamble here. I think for the Wings, I just don't know if it's really the kind of signing that they need to be making right now. Maybe in a couple of years, I wouldn't really be averse to it. But in this current state, I'm just not sure if the Wings are good enough to be committing a lot of longer term money. Uh, even though it's not like a ton of term, it's, you know, four or five years at a time, but it's still a decent chunk of cash and they're going to have some expiring contracts over the next few years that quite frankly might get a little bit expensive to try and bring back. So, you know, very odd off season for the Detroit Red Wings. I, I can see some shades of why uh, maybe there is a little bit of skepticism around Steve Iserman. We're getting to see more of his philosophy around anything from drafting to free agents and while there has been a lot of really good progress for the franchise, I don't know if I entirely uh, see the full vision for this team quite yet. But we'll see in the next couple of years. Maybe I'm overthinking things and uh, really it's not that big of a deal. That, you know, like for the, the contract of Cobb, it's not like it's crazy money. I think they can probably stomach the, the cap hit going forward. So, yeah, you know, it's more just me personally thinking about the, the long-term fits and how that all kind of plays into this team's, I guess, composition. But if there is a, a comparable signing to the cop deal, 
Uh, it's one that I didn't really see coming. And this one is a player who was signed with the Seattle Kraken. I qualify this as one of my favorite offseason signings and certainly one of the, I would say, top-end value deals on uh, the free agency list. We'll talk about who this player is and why he could be exactly what the Kraken need in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out uh, a really important thing that our friends at the NHTSA have dropped. Uh, of course, we've talked in the past about driving under the influence and why it's really important. But, you know, the first time we talked about alcohol and driving drunk, but you can also be smoking weed or uh, under the influence of any other drug and suffering a lot of the same consequences. So we have this really important information that I think you should probably stick around and listen to. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that could happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. You're trying to be safe. You're not really uh, gunning it like you might when you're drunk. It's no big deal, right? That's where you'd be wrong. The, the truth is your reaction time slow way down when you're high, which means if you have an animal run out in front of you, a car suddenly turns in your path, maybe there's even a pedestrian, you can't react the way that you normally would. You not only put yourself in danger, but you also endanger everyone else around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. Save yourself and save others. If you do, if you feel different, you drive different. Drive high and get a DUI. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. We are closing out tonight with a few more free agency deals, uh, some of which I think are really good, and some of them which I'm not really in love with, if I'm being honest. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier that there was a contract offered to the Kraken that I think, uh, for me, was one of the top signings, and it sort of went under the radar because it kind of happened um, amidst the whole Goudreau signing. It was very exciting at the time for Blue Jackets fans, while everyone else was trying to figure out why he signed there. Uh, but for the Kraken, they picked up Andre Burakovsky at five years and around $28 million. For me, I think that this is a very fair contract for what Burrow offers. He's a great finisher. He's a really dangerous scorer. And for what the Kraken are lacking, which is quite honestly everything, but certainly in the goal scoring department, one of their biggest needs, I think Burrow is a great uh, option here and a great gamble. You're not going to get um, a player like Goudreau uh, likely to go to the Kraken right now. And I don't think it's really what they need either. I think that they would be wary against committing tons of really expensive money to players who are on the older side. But Burakovsky gives you a really solid top six player who has had a, a proven track record of success with the Colorado Avalanche. He's a great finisher, uh, was that way with the Caps as well. And, you know, you have him for a couple of years. And then if you need to move his contract, I really don't think it would take much to have him get traded to like another contender or something. So I think in this case, I think the Kraken did well here. It's one of the few moves that I've said I, I tend to agree with because for the most part, that team, I, I have a lot of questions about how they're being run. It's not exactly been a smooth start to Kraken living, but hey, at least they got Burakovsky and they've had some really cool drafting recently. So, you know, things might be looking up in the long term, but I think for the next couple of years, it's going to be a little bit rough. Another player that I think didn't really get a lot of attention, but that I would also classify as a really interesting signing is Ilya Mikhaev, which I think I've mentioned in terms of a player I was hoping the Jets were going to go for. Uh, but unfortunately, he ended up signing with the Vancouver Canucks at four years and around four and a half ish million, a little bit under that. Uh, kind of in the same way, I, I sort of think 
you know, Mikhaev is a great finisher. He's also really good in transition. And it just seems like whenever he's in the offensive zone, good stuff tends to happen. He's very strong on the puck. Um, he has a very direct style of attacking the net. And I think for Vancouver, which also could use a really solid top nine attacker to really boost that goal scoring output, uh, Mikhaev certainly fills the need. Is it the best choice for Vancouver to try to push the quality of the squad forward right now uh, through free agency and stuff? I don't really know necessarily, but um, I respect the grind, I guess. That's the kind of thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the stage where I don't even know if it matters so much about uh, whether I feel it really makes the squad that much better. Um, it, it's just I'm, I'm cognizant of the fact that, you know, I watch a team and root for a team that frankly, doesn't really do a lot to address team needs. So when I see other squads going out and trying to do something, at least I, I do give them a modicum of credit, even if it's like the bare minimum. Now, um, <laughs> one free agent signing that I'm still trying to figure out is is Nick Letty, who signed, I believe, an extension with the St. Louis Blues. If I was talking about poor values earlier in terms of defenders, I don't think that either of those deals in Sherratt or Good Branson quite uh, approached the level of... Um, confusion that I got with Nick Letty. This deal at four years, 16 million, same as what Kubranson got. I think you're actually getting even less value here. Uh, Letty is definitely on the wrong side of what, like 30. Uh, I think he's what, like 31, 32, maybe even 33. And his performance has just completely like fallen off a cliff. So for the Blues to resign him for four years, uh, especially with the cap hit that he's brought on, I don't really know what's going on there. It's expensive. I don't know that I really agree with it. Um, you, you see Troy Stetcher, uh, again, uh, Brett Kulak, all of these guys signing really good value contracts. And in you're looking at this deal and you're wondering, why did they kind of whiff so badly on this? And I, I don't know. For some reason, the D market this year was kind of nuts. Uh, I think especially for players who are, are seen as like big vocal leaders on the ice, very physically strong, robust uh you know, more classical defensive defender, defender types, I guess. Um, those guys seem to get paid, and I don't know why that is, but uh, that <laughs> that continues to be a trend with the league. I don't know if it's ever going to change. It seems like every year that I think more information is going to push away from that. Instead, we see it keep happening. So what do I even know? The league is what it is at this point, uh, and all we can do is just kind of sit there and marvel. Now, there are two more signings that I thought would be interesting to kind of compare against one another because one I think is not very good and one I think is a very fun gamble. Uh, and this kind of comes down to the goalie position. Now, the one that I think is not great is Jack Campbell for five years at $25 million. And I know like on paper, I think Campbell um, was in this price bracket when you look at the market and you look at his track record. I, I know that I think, you know, it, it certainly falls within expectations for what goalies are getting right now in free agency. But I think my thing with Campbell is I don't really think he's a lead starter. I haven't seen anything recently that suggests he's going to be able to turn it on for this Edmonton team and become the guy that, you know, Mike Smith wasn't. I think that Campbell could be a solid uh, 1B kind of guy, uh, maybe in like a timeshare. But if you're asking for more than that out of him, I just don't really see it. I think Campbell is probably more uh, in the league average vein, which maybe that's really important. But, you know, the Oilers kind of need a little bit more. And I think that, you know, given the fact that they don't have great depth scoring, uh, Campbell is going to be working real hard to keep them up in these games. So 
yeah, not not my favorite contract. Um, five years for for twenty five million is a lot for a, a goalie that I don't really think um, is a fantastic starter. But you know, you're looking at another goalie signing that's around the exact same price point. Uh, Darcy Kemper to the Caps for five years at twenty six and a half million. This I think is a much smarter gamble. Now the thing with Kemper is he he's basically put up borderline elite results for years. Um, he did it with Colorado recently, even though there were some games where it looked like he was maybe swimming in his crease a bit. Uh, cumulatively, though, and looking at the underlying statistical record that he's had, he's still as strong as ever. Uh, he had some really good years with Arizona and some really strong performances for the Wild. The problem is, is he gets he gets injured a lot, so I don't even know how many games he's going to play for the Caps. Uh, there's a risk that he really doesn't play all that many and instead has to finish it on the uh, injured reserve list, but you know, if you're going to go for one goalie this year in the free agent market, I think that there are way worse options than Kemper. So I can respect the caps kind of going forward because uh, Washington knows that there's not very much time left that they've got Ovechkin and Backstrom and all these guys, even Backstrom is starting this season off seriously injured and recovering. I don't even know if he's going to play this year. So if you're trying to figure out one last push, you got to get a starting goalie. And I think the caps did uh, about as well as anyone did for free agent goalies in bringing in Kemper and, and trying to fill that number one void. But of course, there were plenty of other free agent signings. We're probably going to save them for a future episode. If you have any uh, free agent players that you want me to talk about in particular, be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to make your second listen, uh, the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 show. Obviously, this is a big time for a lot of us uh, who are NFL fans and college football fans. This is going to be focused on the NFL. We've got an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. Uh, our local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Paramount uh, Sports, and it gives you this whole thing, trying to give you the ultimate NFL preview. We want to give you a really big scope show. Uh, so be sure to search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!